Put that jack-o'-lantern in your pussy. Light the candle. Tell Uncle Buddy a nursery rhyme. (laughs) We got a real fucking gross finale to a terrible story. This week on Death Metal. What are you looking at, you piece of shit? You're already on your phone. Well, I'm trying to find something. For the podcast? Because I feel like you don't yeah, have any. Tattletale. What type of thing do you have for the podcast on your fucking... Don't worry about it, I guess. you don't have anything for it. Nope. I did, but this is truly the mark of professionalism. Sitting next to a man, fiddling on his phone. You're going to do that for an hour. I'm going to quit. I don't. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta read this shit, man. You gotta just memorize it all, you fucking moron. Yeah, I'll try to. I'm bringing that work good, dude. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way any like every podcast with facts. If anyone just remembers all that shit, you're a god among men. But I don't think it happens at all. No. There's no way. Just conversation ones. None of them are good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst type of podcast. There's like Rogan. No one else can do that, but everyone tries. They try. Maybe let's have a conversation. Why don't, why don't you not? <laughs> Garth Brooks did it. Oh, yeah. And I say let the conversation begin. Whoo! What a creep. What am I going to do with my account? I'm going to post cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. But mostly, I'm going to post raw stuff just like this. That's just who I am. God. <laughs> what other creepy shit he say? He's like, when I first heard about Facebook, I said, what's that? And then one of my friends told me, think about it like a conversation. And I like that. And if it walks out the walls between me and you, then I really like that. I'm sitting here in my hotel room, and I'm thinking, what am I going to post on my cab? I'm going to post cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. But mostly, I'm going to post raw stuff. Yeah. Just like this. <laughs> it's just who I am. Yeah. If this is a conversation, then I say, <laughs> let the conversation begin. Crap. <laughs> Dude, I feel like I'm missing a chunk of it, but you get the drift of it. You got a pretty good chunk of it. If you sat somebody, you've tied somebody to a chair and put a ball gag in their mouth and just said that over and over to them, somebody that'd said be that, the creepiest shit. Somebody sent me that creepy shit like right when I first started. It's like about a year after I started doing comedy when I first started bringing people over to do shows and shit. And every time somebody would come, it would be like, all right, so we have a contest tonight. Whichever one of us can work in more of this fucking creepy shit wins. Damn. Won like four in a row. So. Mm, you creep. Because I just wouldn't care. I would just go out and be like, just who I am. Oh, man. <laughs> I love that shit. I love how it's so rehearsed, but he's just like, just who I am. That's like coke breathing. <laughs> it's like dramatic fucking, hey, hell. You know what I mean? Did you know Viagra makes you do that shit? Like if you if you don't take it, it fucks with your nose, like your nasal passages. Well, it it, uh, it dilates everything. Oh, 
like every fucking vein you have. So yeah, your nose. That's how you know it's fucking working, my bro. Before you get boned up. I've never. Mm. I mean, the only time I've like it's I, I knew taking it to work out. And I mean, I fucked on it later, of course, but like yeah. the height of its potency, uh, something weights, dude, and it just I'm it's too much for me. Maybe you snorted it. Why the fuck? I <laughs> kind of got chewable. I got so much of it too. It's like hundred milligram te- like squares. Hell yeah. So. I'll take like twenty five and lift, but yeah. You take twenty five squares? No, you dumb fuck. Twenty five milligrams, like a quarter of the thing. Oh. Fucking retard. Oh my god, man! <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. Fucking, uh, That'd be the worst way to go because that shit, dude. But yeah, I mean, like the only thing you if you can't do leg, like you can't do squats and deadlifts with it. Yeah, because your back will get all pumped. Phew. It fucking feels like you know if you're in a car and you get that like lumbar support shit. Yeah. Like that shit you can inflate. Yeah. That's what your back feels like. Oh. It feels like you inflated your fucking back. But if you do like arm, dude, if you do like chest and arms, you get all fucking pumped. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's just like what all the energy drinks and fucking supplements pretend to do, that's what the fuck it does. Oh crap. It gets you jacked up. I mean, dude, it makes you all vascular and you just get fucking like I don't like it feels like your fucking muscles are gonna explode out of your skin. Woo, buddy. Well, cause it's just like you know, it, it just shoots the blood into whatever area is like pumping. Oh man! So if it's your bone, filled to the brim. If it's your <laughs> biceps, filled to the brim. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah, man. I don't use it very much, so I don't think it has any. See what I was told by you know some fucking dumbass <laughs> is that uh, it has like a lasting effect. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that's true at all. In fact, I mean you can't even lift like as heavy as you normally would because you're so fucking just like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're like over pumps. The person you talk to doesn't like to lift heavy though. Yeah. But they were like, but it's, but it, that's, you, man, you get fucked gains from that. And I was like, yeah. They're like, oh man. Yeah. But that's not true. I mean, I guess if you use it every time and you just get fucking pumped to the fucking brim. But, you know, that's also typical fucking drug addict behavior. Yeah. Would it make your butthole dilate? Yeah, probably, dude. You'd probably be way hard to fuck in the butt. Probably just clamp down on a dick and just yoink. Oh boy. Speaking of yoinking shit out with sex organs, let's crack into this. Now, you remember last week we were talking about fucking <laughs> Gertrude Benesiewski. I still never figured it. You know how good I am at doing podcasts? I still never figured out the right way to say it, but I don't know who to ask. Yeah. Because there was like a forensic files type of shit about it. And then there's another online thing about it and both of them are like the band of shizuski banshawiski like no one fucking knows dude it's not even a real name no can't be just made it up someone in the old country was like no i'm not a vampire my name is banishizuski yeah a little fucking uh stragoyas coming out and getting us you know how i'll just get like some dumb fucking voice or character stuck in my head all the time yeah at work i kept just being like I've required to get sucked. <laughs> Just walking up behind people and be like, I must be sucked. Uh, crap. Every four hours, I need somebody to suck. Uh, you you got to suck somebody? They got sucked. I never defined you. it, dude. Well, I said, I required to be sucked. Man, you just got to get a, a real tall stool, man. You can suck somebody, and then you can get sucked. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a type form of vampirism is that you just got to get sucked off like every four hours. Like, 
I will live eternally as long as I get sucked once every four hours. Damn. Ah. 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 Man. The old fucking uh, Sesame Street vampire. Yeah. Well, that's the only vampire I know about. Wow. I watched uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. That's fucking movie rocks. The old old one from the 30s. Movie face back, dude. The old one from the 30s? No. It's like the... John Malkovich is the director of oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Nosferatu. And yeah, Willem yeah. Dafoe is Nosferatu. And, uh, well, it's not a spoiler because if you haven't seen this movie from the fucking 90s, then you know what? It's your fault. But he's like, Nosferatu is just, they wanted to make Bram Stoker's Dracula, but Bram Stoker wouldn't give him the rights to it. So yeah. he was just like, yeah, fuck you then. And made his own vampire shit. So they made Nosferatu. And like it, apparently they did like the real the facts of it are they went to like old country Transylvania all these old castles and shit but in the movie Willem Dafoe when he first comes on because they're like where's the, like should I bring makeup like to, who's the vampire what are we supposed to do to make him look the right way and they just never answers any questions and it has a scene with the vampire and fucking Willem Dafoe walks out and everyone's like holy shit this is good special effects yeah. And then you don't know for probably another 30 minutes if he's actually a vampire or not. Then you find out that, yeah, he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. And uh, just ends up being a real creep. But Willem Dafoe is that vampire. is one of the best fucking characters in the movie ever. Made. That's a good movie. Oh, dude, it fucking slaps. It's hilarious. Yep. I watched it a couple weeks ago, I think. I'm trying to think of. It, it is about Nos- that's what I was saying. It was a movie from the 1930s. Anyways, you know what we're talking weird is because we did a live show where it's like you're used to that that type of microphone. Yeah, yeah. Which you were still too quiet there. Well, <laughs> you were like talking with the mic over your shit. I was it's like, hey man. Well, I put it up and then I put it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, being professional is what it's all about. Is what I say. <laughs> but yeah, when we went to the. In the last episode, Gertrude Banaszewski had just adopted these fucking sisters. We'll go ahead and switch to August of 1965. I can't. I'm trying to think back. That's a long fucking week, dude. Like, yeah, trying to get ready for that fucking show and sucking on God's dick. You know what I mean? Sucking the Lord's butt. I thought that shit was pretty good. Better than the last one. What? The last one you talking about? Live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low talking bitch. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck you're talking about. There's a lot of shit yeah. that happened last week. Like, Brian did awesome. The videos and shit were cool. Yeah. Anyone who didn't, I got, like, so many messages, like, hey, I'll, I have an answer to my fucking never will, nor will I ever talk to you again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get the fuck out of my life. Yeah. Get up and get gone. Too much pain. Too much strife. Up yours. Who's that? Chris Rollman's Rebel, dude. Oh, I thought it was good. Get Texas. out of my life. <laughs> I thought it was like Texas Hippie Coalition. Yeah, pretty much. I saw you take. Pretty fucking much. I guess they're coming around these here parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We laughed at that so much because it was like, it was like a clip from Jerry Springer, right? Yeah. Which like, bitch, don't feel mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just some fat fuck. Yeah. Oh, God damn it, man. What a bad band. Stuff and mad about it. I guarantee because you said that someone's gonna be like, "This is a pretty good band, actually." Yeah, I know. Every fucking time. Well, how I heard about it was somebody was like, "Man, this is like Pantera," and I was like, well, "Let's hear it." And that's the song they played. <laughs> no, I was like, "This is nothing no, the like fuck that." Is not. The sh- what you showed me was like a, them on like the Jerry Springer show. Oh, it was something fat fuck. Yeah, but the lyrics are 
pissed off and mad about it. Yeah. And then they had a catatonic youth video where that dude was like, yeah, with the he had a fucking left-handed <laughs> bass, but he played it upside down. Hell yeah, dude. My man. Oh, against the grain. But yeah, he had like a fucking Goro braid that he was around. <laughs> 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 but it was that same song too cuz I was like, damn. <laughs> I didn't even know it. It didn't even because it never says like what bandit is on there. Yeah. But then I heard that fucking. I saw that fat fuck walk out and pissed off and mad about it. Yeah. I mean, there's not too many people with fucking six hundred pound dudes singing. No. That are walking around. I would love for that dude to be on my six hundred pound life so bad. Oh my god, that would be so good, dude. I got several candidates that I would like to be at. Like one, I won't. I mean. I saw someone today complaining about body pains. You'll probably, it'll probably click with you right away. It was a disgusting fucking post. Yeah. And I was just like, do you know that if you didn't weigh 600 fucking pounds, you know, the constant pain you live in, it would go away. Yeah. Because you're fucking, (laughs) you're blowing it out. Yeah. Blowing it out. As a couple of big dudes that have blown some things smooth, man. The person you're talking about has blown everything. Uh, see, I knew you knew exactly. Because, <laughs> dude, that shit was so gross. Yeah. It was like, oh, God. Why am I reading this, dude? Why is my brain still in my fucking head? Walmart <sighs> riding carts, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, dude. Crocs. <laughs> Someone help me. Why man. don't you just like, you know. It's weird whenever you do Crocs with diabetic socks. <laughs> dude. Yeah. I love a croc, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm nerd. No, Crocs I never, were like fun and hilarious. And then it's just a, another one of those things that was so funny to me. And then the internet was like, I guess that is funny. And then yeah, lost all the fun. And then it became comfortable. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the best part is that it, though hilarious, it is quite comfortable. Tell but the know. one pair I bought, right, we got to stop talking okay, about this yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my fault. We got a lot of shit to do today. We're going to give you a bonus episode this week because it's Halloween, you spooky bitch. Gonna light some candles, have a gayance. But no, I got some spooky stories I farmed up off the internet that I want to read to you. I've been trying to see, like, <laughs> I was in my room earlier trying to practice my horror story voice. Like, yeah. He crept into the bedroom and instantly he noticed the smooth flower of my anus poking forth betwixt the sheets. Betwixt. A haunting wind came through and removed the sheets, and I knew. For once then, he was going to blast at me raw, full of skeet. I would cry. He would reply. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like how, yeah, how yeah. would Edgar Poe get fucked in the ass? Ooh. I don't know, man. They did cocaine back then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still vouching for whoever just blasts fucking cocaine on their dick and shoves it up a butt. I hear that's a, a good time. It would numb your, it would numb it all. You're going to fuck for a long time, dude. Yeah. And you're gonna, I guess it would be more comfortable to get fucked. What's this? I mean, because you put like Oral B on there or whatever the fuck it is, it keeps your mouth numb whenever you got a cold sore. People do that? I'm sure. It's like a lube and a cocaine. Put Oral B on ass? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I guess because it's going in your butt, it'll give you like cocaine effects too. Yeah. The only, like I remember uh, that storytelling shit. I remember that Joey Diaz dude doing it. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I remember about it is just like, I take a little crack rock and stick it up your monkey. Oh, man. And I was like, monkey? <laughs> <laughs> that's your rock. Anyway, yeah. Well, that's the most fun sex thing we're going to talk about this whole time. Because in August of 1965, the vacant house next door to the Banaszewski house 
was purchased by a middle-aged couple named Phyllis and Raymond Vermillion, which is a great Slipknot song. Ooh. Talking about Slipknot on the fucking internet today. That's always a fun time. Phyllis, seeing the number of children Gertrude cared for, believed that she would make a great babysitter for her two young children and would help her out by paying her a good money for watching the kids. I, When times were tight, it feels like, just get these fucking kids away from me. Yeah. I don't give a shit who you are, what's going on in your life. I don't need to see it. I don't need to know about it. Just get these kids out of my fucking face. Mm-hmm. I've never had anyone watch my kids before. You yeah. know, that's not a like direct family member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like the worst idea. I guess this is what ruined it, basically. But still, it's like, what, what the fuck are you thinking? I don't know. It's weird. Babysitting. It was like 1968. Like, oh, well, you know, if I want to go watch Iron Butterfly, so we're going to draw these motherfuckers off and drop out. Hell yeah. Tune in. Turn on. Or is it tune out? Turn hmm. off. I don't know. Get loose. Get loose. <laughs> oh, I forget. Oh, damn. It's a good song, dude. Do you like that? you like Sand? Yeah, it's hard. I, mean, I had to. Re- I recommend everybody to check out Sand. That's not a bad word in Japanese, by the way. Oh, is it not? I, I he's speaking English, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but he's just speaking uh, like if you're Japanese and you say, it. yeah, yeah, that shit rocks big time. Sand. You can't just look up Sand on Spotify. You gotta look up the album Spit on Authority. Damn. There's like a thousand things called Sand. You know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, Sand fucking slaps, dude. Anyway. Yeah, just to fucking dropping these goddamn kids off. The Vermillions arranged a backyard barbecue so the two families could get to know one another. Of course, during the barbecue, Phyllis noticed Sylvia wandering around the yard with the black eye. Paula proudly announced she was the one that gave it to her. And oh, that's where we left off was the two, her daughter and then the extra kid fucking, they would just beat the shit out of the kid. That's where we're at. Yeah. It gets so much worse. It's also, I feel like, disassociating from this whole thing. Yeah. If, like, the abuse in the last one bothered you, I mean, I don't, you know, you already know we're doing bad things on every podcast, but this one's particularly gnarly. Yeah. And also, there's a movie made about this called The Girl Next Door, if you want to check that out. It's not great, but okay, fairly accurate, so it is gross. Ooh. I also watched Incidents in a Ghostland. Yeah. We'll bring that up in a second, because, uh... <laughs> As soon as I saw that motherfucker, dude, I started laughing so hard. Man, some old slaughtered, big-headed fuck. <laughs> man, if the villain in your movies are re- if, if, if you know of a movie where the villains are retard, let me know because that's what I like. Yeah, man, they're driving around. Kind of <laughs> the best part is when he. Uh, best part is when that big Mongo is like grabs her. And she's like dressed up like a doll, right? And he tries to fucking. Touch her puss and she like pushes his hand away and he's like, like slaps her face like this. Like, I knew you were gonna love it. It's like, oh, dude, this big fucker. baby, like so big, so little. I was laughing so hard that wonky eyed fucking drool head. You water headed rubber mouth. Oh, the other characters look like Twiggy from Marilyn Manson. It's yeah. like, oh, shit. That shit was ridiculous, man. I, I mean, it's a pretty good horror movie, I guess, but, yeah. you know, most people don't laugh at fucking <laughs> me. I can't help it. <laughs> I got problems, dude. I was going to say something, but I better not. Who gives a shit? We've oh. already done all the bad things we could do. They haven't, got, a, they haven't got canceled yet. There was somebody. We need to get canceled bloody shirts, man. Man, people love that. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, we were shopping the other day, and there was somebody. Uh, 
I like that it's an in-depth story. Like, I shouldn't say it. I'm glad you are now, but go ahead. Somebody, uh, I don't know what was going on, but just kind of rocking back and forth in the aisle, but right where the aisle began, it like ended. Like sitting down? No, just standing up, but oh. rocking back and forth where you could see their head. And as I walked by, I was like, peekaboo. He's <laughs> <laughs> a shit, dude. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, man. Oh. Oh, man. That's so close to liquidy, dude. Yeah. You better not do nothing else, man. <laughs> I can feel like pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I hate that for you. <laughs> it's like a little warm. Shit yourself right here, man. I mean, I don't want to get up. I'll get some paper towels and lay them out like a piss pad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, but you weren't being mean. That's what people need to understand. You're just having a good time with that. They probably loved it. Well, at first I was like, I thought it was like a kid or something. Right. And I was like, wait, well, you know. And they fucking light up, And I dude. thought, you know, spooky time, man. I'll be, <laughs> they fucking lit up. I'll be all creepy. They just... <laughs> They didn't stop, but they sure smiled. Yeah, they loved it. And bro. I was like, well, this got worse. And there was like kids behind us, and they were like hiding behind their mom and shit because it was kind of creepy, man. I don't know exactly who listens to this that we know. So I'm not going to go too in depth. And I'm sorry to go off subject so much. We're trying yeah. to get real thin. It's hard to do. It really is hard to do a live show and come back to this. Yeah. The energy is so different. Anyway, um, how can I say this to you now that they're. We've seen them before, right? Uh-huh. Me and you, you don't go there anymore. I still go there. Uh, and you always see them like, you know, something's going on because they, they don't talk at all ever and uh, have like a real distant look, always looking into the mirror, like smiling real big on and off. You with me? Like maybe, damn, because if, if, if I put the exact situation, it's going to give it all away of someone that we know is listening and I shouldn't be saying this because it's... <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of the person, but it's definitely like not nice at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just say I take my kids there almost every day. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I never, <laughs> I, I never heard the, I never heard them talk before. Yeah, ever. So one day I'm like getting the kids ready to go. And uh, <laughs> the person's back there in the in the room with us, which is pretty small, and just staring like at my kids, not at me, but my kids, because I've seen them like I've seen them so many times, you know. Like, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that person look at a person. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, That's it. Yeah. They only ever look at themselves in yeah. the mirror, ever. A- and at the Lord too, staring at my kids, and I was like. Like, I could tell that they were getting uncomfortable. And I was like, all right, guys, time to go. And as soon as they stood up, just fucking. Ah! Ah! <laughs> that, I didn't mean loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, fucking, yeah. Ah! I was like, uh, hey, man, look the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Dude, I got kids, man. I don't care what you got going on. We're getting out alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you ain't eating one today, bro. It was a way. <laughs> You can't eat them, bro. Is that what you watch? You watch that, like, and then that happened? You watch that instance in a ghost lane, and then no, that happened? No, this happened before that. Oh, crap. <laughs> but, dude, I mean, it was like, all right, here's what I can equate it to. Now, obviously, I'm talking about, like, a you know, a different type of person. Like, as far as the spectrum as you could get. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But, like, so, you know, like, you know what I did watch that, that I was, like, worried about is, like, the um, the less strap, the survivor man where the, the baboons follow him for forever. Yeah. And then, like, every time he looks at them, they'll, like, show teeth and be like, 
But the person had this giant fucking smile on his face, dude, and just like, <laughs> like that's probably the only noise that they, that they can do you know you got people under the stairs but it, yeah but it was like between <laughs> us and the doorway and i was like dude, dude the, i don't care what you have going on <laughs> you, man. Like, you fucking shit. show your teeth to my kids dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude i was like i was like hey man get the fuck out of the way <laughs> like right then it's like parents came up and pulled it away <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're such a piece of shit! <laughs> I got kids, man. Oh, I got what you. am I supposed to do? Just let him get eaten? <laughs> I'm gonna motherfucker eats, dude. He just trying to play. <laughs> That's worse. He's a grown man. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's an adult. <laughs> You've been around for th- like 30 years. Who knows what the fuck you're into? French fries. Oh, yeah. For th- <laughs> Yo, for sure, bro. Probably tater tots more so, but. <laughs> fuck. All right. Back to, I mean, back from one tart to another during the course of the barbecue. <laughs> we had the black eye incident and, uh, and still they're going to let them watch their kids. And then, you know, one of the kids is like, yo, I gave her that fucking shiner, bro. Of course I did. I would kick her fucking ass. And then under Gertrude's supervision, Paula approached Sylvia with a glass of boiling water and threw it in her face. I mean, we're at a barbecue with the next door neighbors who are trying to see if you should watch their kids or not. Hmm. Just imagine how bad that would fuck you up, dude. Yeah, yeah, Boiling yeah. fucking water. The Vermillions didn't appoint it, did not report it to the authorities. Two months after the incident, Phyllis Vermillion went to the Banaszewski house to borrow something. She was there for a very brief time, but noticed Sylvia walking in a daze. She had swollen lips, and her other eye was swollen shut, black. Uh, and then to demonstrate how this had happened, Paula took off her belt and beat the shit out of Sylvia in front of Phyllis. Teaching them. And again, Phyllis, the complicit piece of shit, did not report anything. Hold on. Around the time Phyllis saw the abuse against Sylvia, Sylvia came home from school and told Gertrude she needed gym clothes. Of course, Gertrude said they had no money, which prompted Sylvia to go and steal one from the local store. When Gertrude asked her where she acquired the clothes, Sylvia was forced to admit that she stole them. Gertrude walked off, calling her a slut, kicking her in the crotch until she buckled. It affixed Sylvia's sticky fingers. Gertrude lit a cigarette and burned each one of Sylvia's fingertips. Damn. I mean, we're doing like ISIS level torture right now. Yeah. Now, another thing I don't understand is like when showing she's going to school. Who is not like it's it's more common than you think. So it's still today. Yeah. Yeah. Who, but who is like continuously seeing a kid should come to school beat up and not like okay uh, you know it's, it's weird when it's like younger kids because the full they, they keep, but they, these are teenagers yeah too. yeah yeah when because you can tell but when they're older they're way better hiding stuff you know so so what's the like oh i'm in a fight club <laughs> no man they, they just, didn't have mma back then i box yeah do shit like get really big hoodies and wear them you know and dude you can't hide that. your fucking swollen face yeah, no, I mean, ski masks are hot right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, you know, that that kind of stuff comes into question now more than it ever has. But yeah, it, I mean, it was the '60s, but still, it's yeah. like 
Come on, doggy. Oh, it goes down, man. There's some fucked up shit that happens to kids, man. So another time, uh, Likens had gone out to sell old soda bottles for money. When she returned home, Gertrude accused her of prostitution and told her to take all of her clothes off. Gertrude went outside, summoned a young group of boys playing near the house, and brought them in to look at Sylvia naked in the living room. Once the kids were gathered, Gertrude handed her a glass of... Uh, I'm sorry, handed her... This shit's just fucked up. It's hard to read, hard to get through. And it's right up top, too. Yeah. I feel like I should have given more warning, but listen, if you thought that was bad, it's only going to get worse. So if this is something that's like, you know, striking home, just turn it off. <laughs> we'll be okay this week. Yeah. If you're ready to get into some ill shit, handed her a glass Coke bottle and forced her, Sylvia, to masturbate with it for the boys. A Coke bottle? With the Coke in it still? Why does that matter? Because I'm thinking about the top. Oh, you know, yeah. You know. Phew. God. Phew. Just made it worse, but if it was me, I'd put a couple of Mentos in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just let it blast off, you know what I mean? Kentucky Coke machine. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have that one back. After making fun of that tart for like, you know, a long yeah, time, yeah, like, yeah. this is the one I wish I could have back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> god damn it and that, and that was fucked up like i don't know i mean i'm guessing that it was like the whole coke bottle that had like you know yeah it's like when, i mean at this point you've been abused for so long you're probably so complacent like whatever she says to do it's either do it or get beat worse yeah right? so i i'm guessing she was forced to insert the whole coke bottle because after that incident sylvia became incognizant and as a result of that, Gertrude decided she was no longer fit to live with the humans, so locked her into the basement. There was no toilet in the basement, which forced Sylvia to pee and poop on the floor. And then when Gertrude saw she did this, she began a bathing regime to cleanse Sylvia. She kept calling her dirty girl, and she would fill the house's clawfoot bathtub with scalding water, Bind her by her wrists and ankles with a rope and dunk her over and over in the nearly boiling water. And she would do it every fucking day. And then she would rub salt all over her burned skin. Mm. And it's like, where do you even come up with the ideas for this shit? Because what do you think is going to happen? No toilet. Yeah. Incognizant now. It's all your fault. Yeah, it's just all torture. Mad at her. Yeah, I guess so. There's there's actually something that happened here in Arkansas that uh actually about 30 minutes away that they had a girl they under under nurse they wouldn't feed her you know they would feed her enough and then uh they would chain her to the bed uh by her neck and she'd have to walk in all fours if she stood up they would do whatever and then they figured out that her muscles are atrophied you know they would they would unhook her make her go to school and everything but she wasn't allowed to talk about it and then finally somebody figured it out and came and got the kids and everything, but that that was a pretty popular thing that happened. Not I remember talking about it. It was like a brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. God damn it, people are shit, and I don't just don't see where like, I guess meth. Like I don't know how. Hey, it's a lot of different things, man. You know, it's sometimes it's being you know the stress of being poor can fuck you up. Drugs, not like that though. Hey, some people make some just some kind of weird on. You know, anything could be a trigger for people to make them just go fucking nuts, you know, especially if it runs in their family, which I think is the case. So, 
Yeah, well, you know, of course it gets fucking crazier. Uh, around this time, Gertrude, she got a 14-year-old boy from their class named Ricky Hobbs. Lived around the neighborhood. Gertrude made him her assistant. Hobbs was actually an honor student from a middle-class family. No criminal record. As soon as he started hanging out with Gertrude, he had a drastic personality shift in all aspects of his life, not just when he was around Gertrude. Reporters suspect that Hobbs was Gertrude's lover and that she seduced the boy and then kind of forced him to do her bidding. Yeah. But remember, she was like disgusting. Like, yeah. Not attractive at all. So I don't know. I guess when you're 14, just a little taste of it will <laughs> fucking drive you over the edge, brother. Dude, everything drove you over the edge when you were 14. Yeah. I remember popping a bone to the grossest of ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, God damn it, dude. Uh, the Banaszewski children started having a racket where they would charge neighborhood kids a quarter to look at Sylvia being naked, a nickel to push her down the stairs. And, uh, you know, the basement, they just kept her down there fully nude all the time. Let anyone go down and look at her for a little bit of money. God. Yeah. And I mean, that I can, I mean, I don't get that, but I can see where like the kids were getting like short, quick money. Why yeah. that would happen, but the like the, the other torturous things, I just don't and see. also developing mental illness themselves. Oh, definitely. You know? I mean, it's been normalized for them. I mean, yeah. you can blame them for doing it, but at the same time, it's like if your mom's just having you do this shit, then yeah, it doesn't just, seem wrong at all, right? Yeah, it's your yeah. fucking mom. <clears throat> um, she was const again constantly naked. She only was allowed to eat about once a week, and that was uh, usually a just shitty Campbell's broth. And they didn't give her any utensils to eat it with. They would, if it was like noodle soup, they would just throw it on the floor. Yeah. Or eat the little scraps of their fingers. A lot of times, Gertrude and her 12-year-old son, John Jr., would make Sylvia clean the basement. So they would force her to eat her own shit. They gave her a container in which she could collect her urine. But if she went in the container, she had to drink it. Jenny managed to send contact to her and Sylvia's older sister, Diana, who was married and had her own family. Jenny had written down the horrors that the girls were subjected to and told Diana to contact the police and rescue them. And fucking Diana ignored the letter, believing that Jenny was simply displeased with being punished and that she was making up stories and attempts to be taken to, into Diane's house. <clears throat> Which, shitty. You should look into it. Yeah. But these stories would sound bananas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you would never think that a normal person would do something like that. Wait, this is also, as we've probably said a thousand times, this is a time where mental health was not at its height, you know, right, where right, nobody, right. you know, it's like, you just get over that and quit being a pussy, you know, uh -huh. that kind of shit. And so people were just kind of in the, in the, it was all new to them. So they try to hide it and try to seem normal and do all that, but. There's a lot of terrible cases that happen all the way. I mean, all the way up till now. But the, you know, the most famous one is there's a book called Tr A Boy Named It. Have you ever read those? Oh yeah, goddamn. Yeah. yeah, those that are fucked those up, are real dude. fucked what up. Fuck? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and it's like you read that when you're a kid. This is very similar to that. I did read when I was a kid. Yeah, well, who? <laughs> well, you, and you think like, what the fuck? You know, and that's just like a single thing. But then you work at a place like I work at, and you hear shit pretty similar. No, a lot dude, of times. I, dude uh, that you trigger.
triggered me. No, my mom made me read that because she was like literally beating me all the time. And she yeah. was like, you don't have to get, you don't go through anything. Yeah. You don't think you think, you know, what and you I read, read that yeah. shit and was like, she has a little bit of a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not eating shitty diarrhea soap. You know? She's kicking my ass, but yeah, yeah, I'm not eating my own shit. We ought to do episodes on that, man. That's pretty crazy. Dude, this sucks, man. Yeah, I'm not having a good time with this. Yeah. I didn't read all this. I just saw the Coke bottle part. And then I just found, I picked a real fucked up song. Yeah. And I feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those ones where I let Andy take the wheel and he did like warn me. Yeah. It's fucking bad, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. That's what we do here. We do real bad shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is beyond this is beyond the beyond, brother. I'm almost speechless, man. I'm just, I'm just like, You're gonna I'm, go back to I like I'm like trying to think of things to be funny, but it's like uh, I can't I, nothing's coming to the old brain. Nah, right now, man. man. Yeah. But I will tell you the second episode I got worked out. I got a couple of like Really good, scary stories, and then one that's fucking to get people horned up. But yeah. I was, it's fucking hilarious. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I don't see how you get fucking horny for that type of thing. Well, you're probably not going to be able to get horny after this one. So, I mean, I already wasn't horny, but it's just to think about the fucking people that rub it, rub a dub dub. Oh, to stuff like this or what? No. Oh. God, <laughs> Listen, if you yeah, masturbate man. to this. Yeah. You deserve to go. You need to kill yourself. Yeah, Nothing good is going to happen. If you yeah. if you heard this story and you rubbed to it, you got to go. Man. Yeah, you got to get out. <laughs> you you know. You know it, too. Deep down inside. <sighs> probably like Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, dude. Like, as much as I want to be mad at Diana, because if I guess if, if I was in that situation, I would at least look into it, you know? Yeah. But if someone was like, yeah, they're treating my, they've got my, they're beating the shit out of us. They're making us get in organized fights with each other. They're letting the entire neighborhood come and look at my sister naked in the basement for a nickel. They can push her down the stairs for a quarter. They're making her eat her own shit. They're jamming Coke bottles in her puss. Yeah. Be like, no, (laughs) I don't think so, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why, you know, now, now DHS has to investigate every... That's good. But this wasn't DHS. You know, it was the family yeah. member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, DHS should investigate. But the, I only, I doubt there was even the DHS then, was there? Yeah, there was. Um, there was. Well, but they wouldn't have known how to fucking... No, no. So, like, like uh, whatever, if you work with, like, children, like, you become, like, a... You're certified to, like, basically, like, you getting deep shit. If you figure out that there's any type of child abuse and you don't, like, report it, you get deep, you get deep shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know it's complicated issues, but nothing really ever matters more than a kid not going through this shit. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, sometimes it turns out to be nothing. And so, I mean, I've had. Well, I know somebody who's great parents. Yeah. And one of their shitty family members. Just like they got into an argument and they called DHS on him. Yeah, that and the like, DHS showed up for like a month. Oh yeah, that happens. Like what? unannounced visits. Like they came. <laughs> what they told them is like DHS came. Like once they cl- got cleared, because it took a month to clear them. The DHS caseworker was like, "Yeah, you guys are like the best family." So much so that when I first came, I kept popping in unexpected because it seemed like it was too good to be true. You yeah, know? like you guys seemed too nice. Things seemed too relaxed. Seems like there had to be something hidden, but obviously you're just a great family. Yeah, that does it's happen like, too, right? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, it's it, it is comforting to know that. I mean, I, I'm glad. Like, and that's that's how my friend felt about it. It was like good, you know. Yeah, it's like it, it, 
like it's embarrassing that they showed up. We know exactly why it happened though, and then I'm glad that they investigated shit this thoroughly. Because I'd, I've never been wrong until I've ever called them. I've always been like, I know for a fact this shit's going yeah. on. You know, it's like they don't even have to tell me. You just can, you can just kind of go. Well, well we talk about like predator know. sense all the time. Yeah. I feel like I, I haven't like seen too many people I know that have, I don't work with kids or anything. Yeah, I fucking hate kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I always feel like I can tell when somebody's a piece of shit. Yeah, pretty quick. Get a little. <laughs> A little whiff of them. Mm, uh, something stinks about you, brother. Yeah. Like, well, man, I'm wearing the axe effect. Like, ah. Uh, there it is. You got something to hide. <laughs> you got there something to hide, bro. Uh, so shortly after that letter was written, the Banasuski's reverend, Roy Julian, was visiting them as a program he had set up to see each and every one of the parishioners from his church at their homes. While Gertrude and Roy drank coffee... She complained to him that Sylvia had been a huge burden on her, claiming to the reverend that Sylvia was a prostitute that would serve married men, and then she got pregnant. Although Paula, her older, remember her 17-year-old daughter, was several months pregnant at this point, Gertrude insisted that Paula was a virgin, and Sylvia was attempting to pass off her own sins into pure Paula. Gertrude and the Reverend prayed for Sylvia's salvation before he left. And then Diana came to visit her sister soon after that happened. Because the Reverend, like, that's the whole thing about biblical shit. Yeah. It's when you believe something like the Virgin Mary. As crazy as that sounds, if someone's sitting across from you and they're like, she's not really pregnant. Is that this one's pregnant and she is trying to hide her pregnancy by putting it in her. A Reverend is it going to be like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that, dog. <laughs> That's a sure sign of crazy, man. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, you, like as a preacher, you know that the Bible's not real like that. Yeah. You can't do that shit. Well, Come on now. People take shit literal. I guess. Uh, Diana came to visit her sister soon after that visit. Gertrude refused to let her into the house, saying that the father, that guy Lester, remember, the carnival worker that had dropped the sisters off to give her 20 bucks a week? Yeah instructed her to never let Diana come over and see them. So then Diana pushed Gertrude out of the way. Gertrude told her to get the fuck out of there before she called the cops for trespassing. And then Diana left, but snuck around the back of the house until she saw Jenny outside and approached her. Jenny told her older sister that she couldn't talk and ran away. That finally made Diana get concerned and she contacted social services. Well, I guess our prayers were answered. Yeah. When a social worker arrived at the home, Gertrude told them that she had banished Sylvia from the house for being a prostitute and that she had run away. Gertrude told Jenny that she would soon join her sister in the basement if she said anything to the social worker. So Jenny confirmed that Sylvia had indeed ran away and the social worker closed the case. Mm-hmm. Saying nothing was wrong at the house. Come on now. Yeah. No, that doesn't still happen. Yes, it does. Come on. Yep. So that's the perfect thing to say. No. I mean, it just depends. Some people are really good at hiding it, man. I mean, you know, especially the foster care system, there's there's a lot of that kind of shit. I mean, you got you got preachers who like to put secret webcams up in the shower while... You know, oh, we know the fucking Lord is not to be trusted, bro. Yeah, man, that kind of shit. And then, you know, because they're an, a law-abiding citizen Christian that, you know, preaches at a church, people will just... Oh, well... 
I guess we're you're wrong here, you know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that, that kind of stuff does happen. Yeah, it's few and like far who, between. Who, who would believe that my man Chuck Berry would be spying on women taking his shits? Man, I don't know. He was a freak. <laughs> I fought it in your face. Oh yeah, that's pretty. Do you like that type of thing? <laughs> you seen that right? Oh yeah, Damn, I think I was dude. the one that sent it, man. I was like. You know me, man. I'll find it. I love that so much. I, what we're talking about is. Johnny be good. Yeah. Chuck Berry had a hilarious fucking pornography. You know what happened? You know how that happened? How? His house got raided by the FBI. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I and they that. found the tapes and but shit. That was because he was filming. He had, uh, I think, restaurants is what he owned. Yeah. And he had cameras set up in all the women's toilets. Oh, okay. And he was having a look-see. Oh. And so they raided his house, and they found those videos. But he loves, like, poop and pee, man. It's wild. Oh, yeah, dude. It, it, like, the like the best one is when he... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> He fucking takes this girl's face, puts it right in his asshole, and farts. Yeah, that's a, yeah. And then he's like, I fought it in your face. You like that type of thing? I like how he told her. Like, dude, yeah. you just open asshole. And she's grossed out, but she's like, yeah. But, she, she goes, yeah. She goes, yeah. <laughs> you open asshole. Nose in asshole, farted in her face. And then you oh, told, yeah. like, she didn't know. Like, and then it, he's like, in case you're wondering what just happened to you, it was a fart. I ate food. Uh, acid in my stomach's breaking me down, causing methane gas. And it's and breaking gas you down. Gotta, the, <laughs> the methane gas got to go somewhere. Yeah. Came out of my butt, went into your face. They call that a fault. And one of them, he's like peeing on a girl, and he's like rubbing in your tits. Yeah, oh yeah. like what the fuck? Covering piss, and then uh, he's going to go fuck her, and he goes, "Now don't kiss me. Your face smells like urine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, what a wild motherfucker. <laughs> Johnny be good. <laughs> piss, Johnny, piss. Shit. Shit, Johnny, shit. Fart. Fart, Johnny, fart. <laughs> what a ruthless son of a bitch. I farted in your face. Do you like that type of thing? <laughs> Getting back at the white women, bro. Oh, yeah, they're all white. <laughs> yeah. bad. Huge yeah. piece, too. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Big, old, old. Yeah. Phew, big and old. I, and I, yeah, this was like this motherfucker. This was in like the 80s or 90s. So it's an old. Yeah, big old Christmas stocking. <laughs> Boy, big old dick, man. Old hanging ass balls. Yeah. October 21st, Gertrude instructed John Jr. Coy and Stephanie to bring Sylvia up from the basement, had them tie her to the bed, telling Sylvia. That if she could hold her bladder through the night, she would be allowed to sleep upstairs again. Now, remember, she fucked her fucking inner piping up. Yeah. So, of course, when Gertrude checked the bed the next morning, Sylvia had wet herself. Sylvia was made to get dressed, taken into the living room, where she was once again forced to perform a striptease for her sons and the neighborhood boys. And again, made her masturbate with that goddamn Coke bottle. Afterwards... She was made to get dressed again. Before she could get her clothes back on, Gertrude lost her fucking mind and screamed, You have branded my daughters, so I will brand you. Stripped her down again, tied her down again, gagged her, had one of the kids heat a sewing needle with matches. When the needle was glowing orange, Gertrude used it to carve and burn words into Sylvia's stomach. 
She instructed that 14-year-old that was her assistant to finish the job, and he carved, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, into her stomach. God. I mean, dude, <laughs> I hate this shit. Keep relighting it and getting it red hot again, and it takes some time. Yeah. I mean, it's such bullshit. Satisfied. Gertrude left the room, leaving her bound up. Ricky Hobbs and two of the kids kept burning. They burned an S in their chest. And then, look, this is not funny at all, but you probably know what type of S it was, right? <laughs> like the Stussy S, you know what I mean? Yeah. The one that I got beat up for drawing. Have I told that story on here before? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the three lines. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Hobbs said, what are you going to do now, Sylvia? You can't get married now. You can't undress in front of anyone. What are you going to do? So Ricky took Sylvia to the basement, beat the shit out of her before he went home. Jenny snuck in the basement to check on her sister, and Sylvia said, I'm going to die. I can tell. It's just fucking grim as it gets. Yeah. Like, imagine feeling that way, alone in a fucking basement. I really don't, I don't even want to finish this shit. Whatever. Uh, on October 23rd, couple days later gertrude wrote a runaway letter addressed to the lincoln's parents it said i went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night and they said they would pay me if i would give them something so i got in the car and they all got what they wanted and when they got finished they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body they also put on my stomach i am a prostitute and proud of it i have done just about everything that i could to make gertie mad and because Gertie to spend more money than she's got. I tore up a new mattress and I peed on it. I've also cost Gertie doctor bills she can't really pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all her kids. After the letter was complete, Gertrude formulated a plan to make John Jr. and Jenny take Sylvia to a nearby garbage dump and leave her to die. Sylvia heard this and tried to run for the door but was snagged by Gertrude and pulled back into the house. Gertrude set her in the kitchen and made toast for her to eat, but Sylvia gagged it and couldn't get it down because, of course, she hadn't eaten solid food in fucking months. Gertrude took down a curtain rod and beat her in the mouth with it and then took her to the basement again. The next day, October 24th, Gertrude came into the basement, tried to bludgeon her with a chair, but missed and broke the chair. And, you know, King was like, oh, no. Joe, this is goddamn slobber knocker. Somebody stop her. It's uh, just a kid. No nah, crap. I should have done that. Yeah. I'm what's wrong? I'm just trying to pep it up, dude. Yeah, you trying to <laughs> trying to make life. It's hard. I'm pretty bummed. So, I mean, well, there's no I don't know. Well, I guess we'll just crug through it because this shit sucks. Sylvia heard this. Or I'm sorry. Damn it. Hubbard stepped in. And uh, oh dude, even I'm sorry, I missed one. This shit's this is actually funny because Gertrude, after she broke the chair, tried to swing at her with a paddle, missed, did the full 360 type of goofy yeah. swing and hit herself in the face with the paddle. Tight. So it's like, ah, hoo, hoo, hee. Nah. <laughs> but then her fucking little dumb 14-year-old assistant, which how could you not laugh at that? You know what I mean? Yeah. If I was 14, even if I was fucking some weird old lady and she was making me beat this young girl up, mm-hmm. that's still funny. Yeah. Instead of fucking laughing and having a good time, he decided to take over and beat Sylvia unconscious with a broomstick. Over the course of the night, Sylvia 
try to dig out with a shovel or make enough noise to get attention from the neighbors. The neighbors would end up admitting that they heard the banging and thought about calling the cops, but didn't. They should fucking go to jail, too. If they don't go to jail at the end of all this, I'm going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Could they come the fuck on? October 26, Gertrude dragged a completely lifeless Sylvia from the basement. Died overnight. Neighbors could have fucking helped, but nope. Put her in the bathtub. The Banaszewski saw that she had simply passed out. Well, as soon as they realized she wasn't breathing, they attempted to give her CPR. Gertrude told her kids to take Sylvia's body to the basement, strip it naked, and told Hobbs to go to a nearby payphone and call the cops. When the police arrived, Banaszewski gave them the letter she'd made to frame Sylvia as a runaway. Jenny snuck up to an officer and said, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. Her statement, along with the cops finding Sylvia's body in the basement, prompted the arrest of Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Hobbs, and Hubbard for the murder. Other neighborhood kids present at the time, Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Duke, and Cisco, were arrested for injury to a person. Fill me for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... I don't know, man. It's uh, this kind of shit. It's always hard to try to make light of any kind of, you know, we do some fucked up shit, but this is, anytime to do with the kid and it looks like severe torture and shit, it always just kind of ruffles the old feathers, man. Oh, I mean, it. when I first like read over it, it's fucking infuriating. It's still infuriating. I don't know, dude. I hate doing shit like this. Like, this is the hard part about the podcast because I think that. It's important to bring shit like this up because uh, it really happens. And you better than anyone else knows that. And so it's like you you think it's a far-fetched world that's far beyond gone. But no, it's it's really fucking not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because it's like my my schedule's pretty open, you know, as long as I get it in 40 hours a week. I don't have to go to work at a certain time and do whatever. But when I do go into work, you know, it's like I plan on working eight hours yesterday. I I went to work at eight in the morning. I did not get off until two in the morning because it was like back-to-back crazy shit going on, you know, just like emotional problems and, you know, all kinds of shit. And it's like this is everywhere. This kind of stuff happens a lot more than people think. It's just the ones that get caught or the ones that are real like severe and brutal get documented. And then, you know, you hear it and you're like, that can never happen. And it's like, man, you, you, the thing is you don't know who's doing it. It's always the people you least expect doing this kind of shit too. You know, it's always the person that's trying to be normal, well-dressed and like religious and try to fit in. Those are always the ones doing it, man. And it, about 90% of the time. Well, know? and what's crazy so. too, is it wasn't even like, <laughs> She, I mean, she was like an animal, you know. That's yeah. why I kind of try to frame it the first episode is like, she was a disgusting person. Nobody liked her. I mean, she was just a fucking gross piece of shit. Yeah. Everyone hated her, and I mean, obviously, like some of that manifested. But it's like she was like everyone in the neighborhood. You know, you know, in the Simpsons, that crazy cat lady is like, yeah. Did she, like she was like that? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not like people looked at her and were like, oh, this is a nice lady. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just so hard to get anyone to believe it or listen to it. Yeah. Um, during the trial, her children, Paula, John, Richard, and and Coy, all got pulled in. It started on April 18th, 1966. They were all tried before Judge Rob at Indianapolis City Court Building. 
the initial jury selection began on this date, and it lasted for several days. The prosecution consisted of Leroy K. New and Marjorie Westner. Uh, the prosecution instantly, on getting the details from the living sister, they decided like they're going to seek the fucking death penalty for all five defendants, which is great. I mean, that's what the fuck they deserve because it is like the most shocking fucking terrible thing that you could ever hear. Um, it was hard to pick the jury because it's such a gnarly case. And the prosecution, I guess, kind of picks a jury or maybe they get to pick half and half, but jurors who expressed any opposition to the death penalty were excused from duty by judge Leroy new. So they were going to look for it, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the first witnesses to testify on behalf of the prosecution was deputy coroner, Charles Ellis. And this is like, I mean, we heard what happened. This is one of the saddest parts of the whole thing. Uh, he, he testified on April 29th to the intense pain that Likens had suffered. Her fingernails were broken backwards. Mm. Numerous deep cuts and punctures covered most of her body. Her lips were essentially in shreds due to her having repeatedly bitten and chewed on them. Ellis further testified that Likens had been in acute state of shock for between two and three days, days prior to her death. And that Likens may have been in too advanced a state of shock to offer much resistance to any form of subjected treatment in her final hours. Although he emphasized that aside from the extensive swelling around her genitalia, Lycan's body bore no evidence of sexual molestation. Mm. Which, the Coke bottle, I mean, yeah. and the kicking. On May 2nd and 3rd, Jenny Likens testified against all five defendants, stating that each had repeatedly and extensively both physically and emotionally abused her sister adding that Likens had done nothing to provoke the assaults and that there had been no truth in either of the rumors that she had been falsely accused of spreading or the slurs that had been made against Likens' character. During her testimony, Jenny stated that the abuse her sister and to a much lesser degree herself endured began approximately two weeks after they began to live in Banaszewski's house. And that abuse... Her sister and 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 as the abuse uh, her sister was first to endure escalated, Likens had occasionally been unable to produce tears due to her acute state of dehydration. On the stand, Jenny burst into tears as she recalled how just days before Likens died, she had said to her, "Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell." Sections of Jenny Likens' testimony were later corroborated by that of Randy Lepper, who stated he had once witnessed Likens' crime, but that she had shed no actual tears. Lepper then visibly smirked as he confessed to having beaten Likens anywhere between 10 and 40 separate occasions. They brought Roy Julian to the stand, and he told the court about the pregnancy thing, and he said that he witnessed things that were jarring, but he really thought that she was a prostitute and that she had made advances to men for money. He believed that the girl was being punished for soliciting. Same day at trial, a 13-year-old Jenny Duke testified, admitting to having witnessed Likens once endure the salt beating where, remember, she would get 
burn in the tub and have salt rubbed on her. Yeah. Duke also testified to one occasion where she witnessed 10-year-old Shirley Banaszewski rip open Lycan's blouse, to which Richard Hobbs had made the casual remark, everybody's having fun with Silvio. Ugh. Gertrude got onto the stand in her own fucking defense, and she denied any responsibility for Lycan's prolonged abuse, torment, ultimate death, and she claimed that her children and other children within the neighborhood must have committed the acts within her home, which she described as being such a madhouse that she was so preoccupied with her own mental health that she wasn't able to control. Preoccupied? Yeah. Yeah, she was. Preo- yeah. Like being a crazy coot. Exactly. Doing it. Dumb fucking cunt. God yeah. damn, dude. What a fucking... Ugh. Now, when they ask if she had physically abused the Lycan sister, Gertrude claimed that although she had started to spank Lycans on one occasion... She was emotionally unable to even finish spanking them and had not hit the child on any further occasions. She denied any knowledge of likings having ever endured the beating, scalding, branding, or burning within her home. Two days after that, Richard Hobbs testified in his own defense, and he described how Gertrude had called likings to the kitchen on October 23rd and stated to her, you have branded my children, so now I'm going to brand you. And he testified that he was the one that etched the insult about being a prostitute into her skin. Yeah. And he testified that Gertrude told him to get rid of Sylvia. Uh, When Marie was called to the stand, she broke down in tears and admitted that she had heated the needle, which Hobbes used to brand Lycan's abdomen. And Marie testified to her mother's indifference to Lycan's evident distress in relation to physical and mental abuse. She had increasingly suffered with her mother's full knowledge Saying that on one occasion, Gertrude had simply sat upon the chair and crocheted as she watched a neighborhood girl named Anna Sisko attack Likens. Mm. Marie added that although five, all five defendants had repeatedly and physically mentally tormented Likens, she had most often witnessed her mother and sister committing these acts. So if your own daughter's saying it, you are fucked, madam. Yeah. And then, of course, even. The defense, uh, they tried to bring in their own doctor to say that Gertrude was mentally incapable, that she was psychotic. The lawyer that the or the doctor that the defense brought in said that she had never been psychotic before. That's not going to work out well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they base. I mean, is it because she had never seen anybody before? You know, like I, that's what I'm saying. Is that time period is so weird because I mean, like clearly that's some psychotic behavior, you know. But you know, there's not really an excuse for. Yeah, but I think that you know you got to think way back to what that probably meant in the '60s. My guess would be they took that to men as like so psychotic that she doesn't remember the events happening, didn't know where she was at during that time, you know, mentally. Uh, anyway, it cuts in the long and short of it. The fuck is very depressing. Everyone went on the stand. Everyone had to answer for the crime. Uh, they tried all five defendants at the same time, and that lasted 17 days. The jury retired to consider its verdict. They came back on May 19th, 1966. After deliberating for eight hours, the panel of eight men and four women found Gertrude Benazuski guilty of first-degree murder, and they recommended a sentence of life imprisonment, not the death penalty, Paula Banaszewski was found guilty of second-degree murder. Hobbs, Hubbard, and John Banaszewski Jr. were all found guilty of manslaughter. 
Once Gertrude heard Judge Ra pronounce the verdicts, Gertrude and her children burst into tears, attempted to console one another as Hobbs and Hubbard remained impassive. On May 25th, Gertrude and Paula Benazuski were both formally sentenced to life imprisonment. The same day, Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Benazuski Jr. each received sentences of 2 to 21 years to be served in the Indiana Reformatory. And that's kind of sexist, I think, because all the men got less trials, and it seemed like fucking Hobbs and Hubbard did some of the shittiest work during yeah. the whole thing. But I guess, you know, they weren't the masterminds, so whatever. Glad justice got kind of served. Uh, in September 1970, the, the Indiana Supreme Court reversed the convictions of Gertrude and Paula Benazuski on the basis that Judge Saul Isaac Rabb had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defense counsel for their original trial. There's a real one. <laughs> I knew something was coming. Had denied. I hear you deep smelled that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to know. Um, oh, man. <laughs> we got to know. Yeah, dude. Do smell. But yeah, so because he had denied their motions for defense counsel by defense counsel for a change of venue and separate trials, he denied it, never looked at it the right way. So that got their convictions overturned. Then they were retried in 1971. This time, Paula Benazuski opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter rather than face a retrial for first-degree murder. She was sentenced to serve a term between two and 20 years imprisonment for her part in Lycan's abuse and death. And despite twice unsuccessfully having attempted to escape from prison in 1971, they still released her in December of 1972. Oh, God. So she only served like three years. Gertrude Manizuski, however was once again convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison, which is great. Over the course of the following 14 years, Gertrude became known as a model prisoner at the Indiana Women's State Prison. She worked at the prison sewing shop and was known as somewhat of a den mother to younger female inmates, becoming known to some within the prison's nickname by her nickname, Mom. Hmm. By the time of Gertrude's ultimate parole in 1985, she had changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen, which was a combination, of course, of her middle name and maiden name. And she described herself as a devout Christian. Ooh. Well, this fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. Piece of shit. Um, at a parole hearing, Banaszewski stated that she wished that Lycan's death could be undone. And she still minimized responsibility for any of her actions. She stated, I'm not sure what role I had in Lycan's death because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for what happened to Sylvia. She was fucking released from prison on December 4th, 1985. So, <sighs> I mean, dude, you know, barely what, 17 years in prison? Yeah. Not a fucking enough, brother. Not enough. No. No. Following her 1985 release, she relocated to Iowa, still never accepted full responsibility for being the architect in Lycan's prolonged torment and ultimate death, insisting she was unable to precisely recall any of her actions in the months of Lycan's prolonged and increasing abuse and torment within her home, which is probably true, but that doesn't make it okay. No. Uh, she blamed her action on medication she had been prescribed to treat asthma. Get the fuck out of here. 
That's weird. But I mean, I'm sure the trauma of what she did and the trauma of the repercussions probably did cause her to mentally block it out. But dude, yeah, come on. Well, it has. It does have uh, trauma. Has physical and mental. Like like physical changes in the brain, right? So you know it does happen. That's, but it doesn't like it. You know that sucks. She said, "Remember yeah. every fucking shitty detail. Everything she would feel bad about, she should feel it." Yeah. Luckily, though, God was looking out for us all, and uh, she moved to Laurel, Iowa. Died of lung cancer, June sixteenth, nineteen ninety, at the age of sixty one. You piece of shit. Uh, reflecting upon the news of Gertrude Banaszewski's death. And the issues raised pertaining to her sanity at both of her trials, John Dean, a former reporter for the Indianapolis Star, who had provided extensive coverage of the case, would state in 2015, I never thought she was insane. I thought she was a downtrodden, mean woman. Yeah, of course. And his theory of a motive was she had a miserable life. And I think this is ultimately about jealousy, which is the first thing we're talking about to where these girls had a bright future. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, fuck the rest. Who cares? Like, no one dealt, no one got enough time. Um, by all accounts, Jenny Likens had a pretty good life. She married an Indianapolis native named Leonard Reese Wade. They had two children. Uh, she died of a heart attack on June 23rd, 2004, at the age of 54, which was pretty young to go. You got to think that that trauma probably did factor into that, unfortunately. Um, She viewed Gertrude Banaszewski's obituary in the newspaper. She clipped the section, then mailed it to her mother with an accompany note. Simply read, some good news. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha <laughs> I'm happy about that. And hell yeah, dude, you outlived that dumb bitch. Uh, her parents died, Elizabeth in 1998, Lester in 2013. In the years prior to her own death, Jenny Likens Wade had repeatedly emphasized no blame should be placed upon either of her parents for placing Sylvia in the care of Gertrude Banaszewski, saying her parents, all her parents had done is trust Gertrude's promise to actually care for them until they returned to Indiana with traveling for a carnival. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, wrong. No, I understand that she probably wanted family to hold on to, but guys, you know, come on. Your parents were pieces of shit. I hate, yeah. to, I hate to tell you. That's shitty. Don't have kids. Yeah. And if you do, fucking own up to it, man. Like, yeah. Take them on to like, it's all bad. Yeah. Everything's bad. Everything in the world, every day of every moment is fucking terrible. I hate knowing about shit like this because yeah. it's just going on all the fucking time. You know, you got mongos breathing all over my kids. <laughs> fucking smiling ready to eat them and then you got like it's all just shit we live in a shit world yeah well it's not fair i hope we all burn and Let's the see. song i picked isn't fair either because i didn't read it i mean i just saw like did you pick Coke this time no oh man <laughs> this comes from the album extreme cream <laughs> <laughs> and the band's called sperm swap and the song's called pussy market super sales <laughs> man Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fucking see you next time, man. Guys, yeah. everybody.